Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches, and we're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Laws with Restore or Retreat. And we have a very special show lined up for you folks today. We are talking about amazing progress being done on Louisiana's coast, what's coming uh, in the future, and just, you know, highlighting all these big wins that have been happening um, with our favorite guest and avid listener. And we have mostly a lot to look forward to, right? You know, talking about some good things that are going to be developing in the future, but it's just par for the course. It's super crazy spring, lots going on already. And so uh, we were very happy to get this very busy guest on the book so that we could talk to him. And it's good, you know, there's so much going on and we highlight different topics week to week, but it's good to kind of take a step back, do a deep dive into some of these things, kind of get behind the story of what's happening, um, you know, at CPRA and across the coast. So we're going to be doing that on the show. But otherwise, how's your March going, Simone? I know. Can you believe? Mid-March. Marsh Marsh Madness. Right. Marsh Madness. Did you fill out your bracket? You look like a bracket filler router. Oh, I don't do basketball. Yeah. No. I mean, at least you knew it was basketball. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll go to Pelicans games here and there, but I'm not. I don't know uh-huh. what's happening. Um, so that's um, college basketball you fill a bracket out for. Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> good to know. Um, yeah. Well, I guess go LSU there, too. I actually prefer – I prefer – I think my order is football, baseball, and then I'm with you. Totally yeah. with you. I'm not really a basketball person. But and, of yes. course, oh, uh, women's gymnastics, gymnastics, too. Yes, indeed. Right. Yes. I, um, our good friend Joni Tuck went to the gymnastics. <laughs> meet last week because we were out of town for the um, LSU girls and they're still killing it. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I would love to go to a gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see the UCLA too. girl did mm-hmm. to Beyonce? Mm-hmm. Yes, it was, that was incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This show is so diverse; it's amazing. We can, yeah, behind the show. I'm sure our next guest scenes. could be happily <laughs> would happily chime in on our um, gymnastics discussion. <laughs> Sure. What's, what's your favorite? Uh, well, let's, is it let's, the introduce floor? Yeah, let's introduce exactly. him. So we uh, today we have on the show avid listener Kyle Chip Klein. Let's just go Junior. with Chip Klein. It's fine. Welcome, Thank you. welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be, finally be in studio. Well, this is semi studio. You've never really been. We have a real studio, you know. I've I've seen pictures. But, um, <laughs> I've always called in from um, from my truck phone, and um, it's uh, it's good to be in here to see how everything operates, yeah. kind of behind the scenes. Um, so do you do you wait want to weigh in on girls gymnastics? Uh, I have never been to a gymnastics meet. My wife uh, takes my daughter a lot, but I hear that they're really fun. That the PMAC, PMAC. Is, is packed, mm-hmm. um, which is always a fun atmosphere mm-hmm. to to see any sporting event, basketball, women's basketball. You're, you're an LSU alum. What is your favorite LSU sport? Oh well, you know, coming off of a national championship, you know, you have to go with football. But I have a lot of memories in Alex Box Stadium with my grandfather, uh, Poppy, who shout out to Poppy. Starting in third grade, uh, started taking me to the LSU baseball games, and he's got um, good seats too. He does right behind home plate. He's had him for many years, and um, a lot of good memories. Uh, so, what do you think about Poppy the team then. this year? Mm-hmm. Kind of up and down, mm-hmm. you know. I think they need to get it together. Um, I hate to be critical of LSU sports, but um, I think that you know usually they have the get, work the kinks out at the beginning of the season, and they usually come through at the end. So, um, so we were totally digressing here, but I heard this really funny story that when um, LSU basketball lo- lost to Vanderbilt. 
that Paul Maneri texted Will Wade, the basketball coach, and he's like, it's all right, man. The year we went to the World Series, we lost to a team, blah, 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 like super encouraging. And Dee, who's the LSU gymnastics coach, <laughs> texted Will Wade. She's like, what the hell? Like, you know, so, so I think it's funny, those two kind of interactions, but also like their dynamics within themselves. I too, think so. uh, Coach Dee Dee Bro, I could absolutely see her saying that. I <laughs> uh, don't know her well, but I, I love to watch her coach and, and operate. Uh, she's, a, she's a fun person to watch. Well, we have used up a lot of your time already talking yeah. about LSU <laughs> sports. But um, so you're the executive assistant, just to remind everybody, um, executive, assistant to, executive assistant to the governor on coastal activities. You're the chairman of the uh, Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority Board. Do you have any other titles that you would like to share with us? Avid listener of Delta Dispatches. Okay, we're going to challenge that because I do think that there is an emerging avid listener within your agency um, that could probably... It is it is my understanding that our deputy director of the CPRA, Mr. Greg Grandy, is uh, giving me a run for my money, but... um, He's not here today. Um, I'm here in studio. So right now I'm the number one avid listener, but uh, I'm always up for a challenge. Okay? You're listening because you have to listen. <laughs> okay. So we, um, you had a very big, uh, we had big press announcement on uh, your boss's second term priorities for, um, for Coastal. But first, I saw you earlier this week in Homa uh, with the governor, and he was talking about just some of the successes over the past four years, over a billion dollars invested in Terrebonne, over a billion dollars invested in Lafouche. I'm sure there's many other parishes that have that same story. So when you look back over the past couple of years in, in your chairmanship, what what makes you most proud? I just think that what makes me the most proud is that if you look back, even prior to the time that I was chair um, and going back to the early 2000s, even to the late 90s, when this issue first became into focus for the state. And I think if you would have, if you could rewind going back, you know, 10, 15, 20 years um, from today, no one in their wildest imagination would ever think that we would have identified over $20 billion um, or secured close to $20 billion for hurricane protection and coastal restoration projects for um, to be implemented across coastal Louisiana. And that's with a B. And that is with a B. Um, but I think what makes me the most proud is looking back at, at the effort that was put in at the early days and the foundation that was laid and now being able to have the funding that is necessary um, to implement some of these projects that have been in, literally envisioned for decades. Um, for us to be at a point in time in this program where we were able to deliver hurricane protection for the majority of the people that live across South Louisiana, Um, and the fact that we are now able to implement some of these restoration projects that are really game changers for South Louisiana um, is something that it's just, it's an incredible thing to be a part of. Um, It's an incredible thing to be associated with the people uh, that work within the CPRA, and associated with people like you and Jacques, um, who have got a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this effort. And to see all of that hard work, all of that planning, all of that, um, you know, the lobbying and the, and, the, and the pounding of the payment and pounding the congressional delegations and multiple presidential administrations actually come to a point where those efforts are now paying off uh, for the people that call South Louisiana home. 
Well, I mean, speaking of that momentum and progress and billion with a B, this year's annual plan is almost at a billion dollars, and it will be at that level for the next two years. So what does that mean in terms of a milestone for our state, in terms of kind of what the work um, is that you're able to get done through the agency with that kind of uh Plan. So if you look at the master plan, obviously a 50-year, $50 billion plan. So we always, our, our goal every year is to do about a billion dollars worth of work a year. Uh, and we've come very close to that over the last five to six years. But this is actually the first time in the history of the program where we will actually hit that billion dollar mark um, in one fiscal year. Um, so again, I think it speaks to the fact that you have the funding necessary to deliver large-scale restoration projects that are really cornerstone projects that are in the master plan. Um, and it will really allow for us to stay on track um, starting from this year moving forward. Uh, if you look at the additional funds that will be coming in over the next several years, I think we'll be hitting that billion-dollar mark every year going forward. And as you heard the governor say in his inaugural address, the projects that we will be implementing this year – are over really over the next four years, will ultimately build more land across South Louisiana than we anticipate to lose. Never in the history of the coastal program and not since the 1930s have we been able to say that. So it's a very exciting statistic, a very exciting time to be working on these issues. So like in comparison to other state agencies, a billion dollars worth of work, I mean, like, what's the state's budget? I mean, that's pretty. Uh, it's it's. I think it's somewhere around sixteen to seventeen billion. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, that's really significant for one agency yeah, yeah. like DOTD, right? I mean, you think of all these like high-producing juggernaut that, agencies, that, right? Correct. I mean, you're right on yeah, par with that. I think it's important for the public to know is that, you know, the, the coastal program does not receive a single dime from the general fund. I mean, these are all dollars that are derived from the BP oil spill, from offshore oil and gas production that are being reinvested in our coast. Um, There's been surplus dollars that have been um, allocated by Governor Edwards and his administration for two years now. Um, Last year, we had, uh, I think, around $55 million. This year, the governor was kind enough to allocate $115 million to the coastal program. Um, So we're one of the few agencies in state government that have that kind of revenue uh, coming to it over the next several years. And... uh, I think it, it, it um, really speaks to the possibilities um, that we're able to achieve um, as a result of that funding. Well, we have a lot more to get to. We're about to head into a break, but stick with us. We're here with avid listener Chip Klein on Delta Dispatches. We'll be right back. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. 
Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. Um, we have a coastal voice of the week that we want to share with you. So I grew up in Louisiana, fishing, boat riding, and eating all of our delicious seafood. We lose the coast. We lose the coast. We will have lost a large part of our heritage and culture. And that was from Sherry in Baton Rouge. Do you agree with that, Mr. Klein? Absolutely. No doubt about it. That's what it's all about. That's Sherry from your part of the world now. Um, So it's time for the fun question. Um, We're actually going to have two fun questions because we heard that this is your absolute favorite part of joining us on the show. I'm thrilled about this part of the show. Um, Right. So you also try to get the question in advance, Mm -hmm. and that's not allowed. Um, It says a lot about a person's personality (laughs) when they they want that. Um, But we do feel like we learned so much from our guests when we ask these questions. So I'm going to take it a little easy on you. Um, there are four seasons here in Louisiana, and we just moved out of Mardi Gras season, and we're now entering a uh, snowball season. So um, what is your favorite snowball flavor? Ooh. Um, You're probably like a stuffed guy or something. No, I'm just kind of, you know, my favorite ice cream is strawberry, so I usually don't veer too far from the strawberry, kind of your basic flavors. So I usually like strawberry flavor with the cream on top. With a condensed milk. Jock, answer. Oh, I think this is just your opportunity to make fun of me for my favorite <laughs> snowball flavor, which is spearmint. It's <laughs> like chewing a pack of gum. How could you do it's that? It's so refreshing. And, you know, when it's hot outside, you get like a cold, icy spearmint. You know, it just cools but you But you down. have to have extra juice. I, extra I take juice. pictures of like spearmint snowballs and I send it to him. And I'm like, there's just something. There's just something about this. Anyway, well, good. You answered that pretty well, amazingly yeah, that enough. Was, that was pretty easy. So Jacques, Jacques will be hard on you. Um, um, so we, we had a good discussion on the first segment talking about kind of a look back, what you're most proud of and, and looking at this year's annual plan. But really what we wanted to talk to you about is, is that there was a, a press conference um, and the governor announced his second term coastal priorities at the end of February. And uh, Jacques and I were both there. And I have to tell you, it was so impressive to see how many cabinet members were there, right? The fact that you know, all these different agencies deal with and stand behind coastal. So tell us a little bit about that. Why, why is that important, important to have not just the governor talk about his coastal priorities, but to have his cabinet members there backing y'all up? I think it was a really a incredible moment for, for our program and for the people that work within CPRA to, to have the governor there to really lay out his vision for coastal Louisiana over the next 
four years uh, while he's in office. But I have to agree with you, Simone, is that I think that one of the most powerful things about that day and that event was having every single cabinet secretary uh, that works under Governor Edwards, that whose agencies, you know, touches our, our efforts or involved in our efforts literally on day-to-day activities. And then some of the agencies that are really kind of on the fringe that really aren't directly involved but, but have a role to play, uh, to have all of those guys there uh, in one setting to talk about all the things, all of the collaboration, all of the coordination that is taking place um, as an entire um, really a holistic or um, coordinated manner um, across state government is important for the public to realize that this isn't just CPRA's issue. Uh, this is the state of Louisiana's issue, and every single person that works in state government has a role to play uh, if we're going to be successful in, in in our efforts to restore and protect our coast. And in fact, the, the governor said, in order for us to make the most of the opportunities presented by our changing coast and be as successful as possible, we will be redoubling our efforts to, to collaborate across state government agencies and across the economy. Only through a unified approach resulting from productive partnerships are we going to achieve a Louisiana that is resilient and sustainable economically and environmentally. That was really well said. I think so. I think so. Um, it, um, and, you know, the governor hit it there. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about us all working together and the partnerships that exist um, within state government and outside of state government and making sure that we're all working um, towards the same goal. So, Chip, another big part of that announcement, um, you know, in the context of Louisiana long being a leader on coastal or climate adaptation, coastal restoration and resilience because of the work of yourself and, and the Coastal Protection Restoration Authority, um, you know, the governor also announced that Louisiana would begin to look at ways to reduce emissions in order to limit the worst um, potential future scenarios of sea level rise. So can you talk to us a little bit about what the governor announced in terms of taking action on climate change and why that's significant? Sure. So I think for those people uh, that are listening um, and that have followed the, the coastal program for the last several years, um, you, you will know that it's been the position of the state and the position of the CPRA uh, up until this point is that we are reacting to the effects of climate change. We are reacting to the impacts of climate change. Um, but the state of Louisiana has never really taken a proactive position on addressing the causes of climate change, particularly um, reducing emissions and decreasing our, our carbon footprint, uh, which is largely the, the main driving factor uh, of climate change and global warming. Um, and so the governor announced a task force through an executive order, and I think it's important to know that, that the governor is going to issue an executive order and really put the full force of the governor's office behind this to set up a climate initiative task force with all of the relevant state agencies, environmental groups, as well as industry representatives. Um, and I think, you know, the governor absolutely operates in a bipartisan fashion where he brings all stakeholders together uh, to give everyone a voice at the table. And so what this task force will be charged with is, number one, coming up with policy recommendations uh, that the state of Louisiana could pursue either through legislation or either through mandates through the governor's office or multiple state agencies to look for ways in which we can reduce emissions um, as a state. 
Um, but it's important to note that I think it's it's not just through regulations and things like that, that there may be cleaner ways to produce energy, uh, innovative techniques. And, you know, that speaks to the fact that under the Department of Natural Resource, they have this carbon capturing program uh, where they're working with energy sector um, representatives and stakeholders uh, to figure out how they can capture carbon so it's not emitted into the atmosphere. Um, and so besides the, the policy recommendations that are going to be coming out of this, the next master plan update is going to be in 2023. And so I think you will see the 2023 master plan speak to climate change to a larger degree than it ever has before. Um, and it will really focus on uh, addressing the causes of climate change. And if you look at the master plan now, climate change is referenced, but it's but the, the initiatives and the projects that we are building are reacting to the effects of climate change. Um, and I think it's important that if we're really going to be successful here, that we really have to address the causes of sea level rise, global warming, and climate change as a, as a state and as a coastal program. And we are up against a break, but we want to also mention that the governor announced the state's first chief resilience officer, Charles Sutcliffe. Do you know that guy? I sure do. He is uh, one hell of a guy. He is one hell of a public servant. Uh, Charles has many years in the governor's coastal office, and uh, I can't tell you how proud I am of Charles and proud for him, um, for him and his family to have that moment um, with the governor. And um, I think Charles, being the chief resilience officer, will be really running point on a lot of the coordination that is taking place with various state agencies to ensure that they're taking into account the data that is in the master plan and their efforts um, so that we as a state are as resilient as we possibly can be. To say he's most deserving is an understatement. Uh, I would say that that is a huge understatement. Well, we are up against the break, but we still have, we covered one initiative. A lot more to talk <laughs> Several. about. Yes. So uh, if you stick with us, um, Kyle, we'll, we'll get you back after the break. Um, but you're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 and on podcasts. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Samoma Laws with Restore or Retreat. And we are talking about a lot of important things with Chip Klein. Some not important. Well, Executive <laughs> Assistant to the Governor for Coastal Activities and Chairman of Louisiana Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority. Um, speaking of not important, it is time for my fun question. Yay. So. Um, Mr. Klein, I don't know if you're aware, but after a 14-year hiatus, um, the Dixie Chicks have come back and released a new single um, entitled Gaslighter. I know you're an avid fan of country I mean, music. things that that guy thought he was going to talk about so, today, Dixie Chicks. I have to one. ask, as an avid fan of country music, what is your favorite Dixie Chicks song? So this, this y'all are going to get y'all are going to get a kick out of this. So there is a Dixie Chicks song that um, that is I'll say near and dear to me. So my mother is a was a high school teacher, a biology teacher, and she did a talent show for the students and all of the teachers participated in it. And they um, acted out the song Earl at the time. <laughs> uh, and it's about a, a, a woman, I think a wife that poisoned her husband, killed her husband. And but they I'll never forget my mother um, acting that out on stage. So I'm going to go with Earl. I think, I don't even know the name of it. Goodbye but, uh, Earl. Goodbye that's, Earl. I think it's the name. That's a great it. answer. You know, I was, I thought that's where you were going to go with that. I was a little concerned about it at the same time, but good for your mom for, uh, yes. you know, pushing the limits um, on, on 
you know, theatrical performance. I will say that Mrs. Klein, my wife, loves um, some Dixie Chicks. Don't ask me what her favorite song is, okay. but um, sometimes well, she does hijack the radio. Too. Let's hope that, you know, Louisiana is on their list when they come back um, on, and go back on tour. So thank you for indulging in that moment. Um, I guess going from the Dixie Chicks to the Delta. I was like, um, if you ask a gaslighter <laughs> question, I'm going to die right here. Um, so another big initiative that the governor announced in his uh, speech was around our rivers and particularly looking at pursuing a more integrated approach to how the Mississippi and Atchafalaya rivers are managed. Tell us a little bit about what that means and why it's important that we're taking that kind of holistic approach to river management in Louisiana. One of the most important issues that we're going to face over the next several years is how we are managing both the Mississippi and Atchafalaya rivers. Um, And it is something that we have been pushing the Corps of Engineers to kind of refocus their perspective on how they approach river management. Um, And so if you look at how the Corps largely approaches river management across South Louisiana, it is strictly from a navigation and flood fighting standpoint. And so over the last three to four years, the Mississippi River has continued to hit flood stage every year. And last year, uh, you saw the Bonnie Carey Spillway being open for a record number of days, twice in, in one year. It was at a record level of, of flood stage um, and flood fighting uh, by the Corps of Engineers and the state. Um, and as a result of the, the Bonnie Carey being opened, and it's important to know that when the Corps of Engineers opens the Bonnie Carey Spillway, they do not take into account a single negative impact um, as a result of opening that spillway. It's strictly done to lower water levels in that river to protect the city of New Orleans. Um, And I think that there are other tools that need to be in the Corps of Engineers toolkit um, when it comes to flood fighting efforts, navigation efforts, and ecosystem restoration. That's the third component of the Corps of Engineers mandate um, and I think it's one that is is sorely lacking uh, by the Corps of Engineers. And so I think an overall perspective from, from river management focusing more so on ecosystem restoration projects, particularly sediment diversions. And so you've got two sediment diversion projects that we're implementing south of New Orleans, one on the East Bank and one on the West Bank, uh, the Mid-Baratari and Mid-Breton sediment diversion. But there are also two sediment diversions that are further north in the river column. Um, that would be diverting water into a swamp area. Um, So you would not have uh, any impacts to to fisheries or anything like that that could take the pressure off of having to operate the Bonnie Carey Spillway. And so recent modeling has shown that if we were to implement those two smaller sediment diversions, uh, you could reduce the need to operate the Bonnie Carey Spillway by half uh, of the capacity that it was operated at, at, at last year. And so by doing that, you're, you're focusing on flood fighting efforts, but you're also able to restore the ecosystem and restore the environment by utilizing that tremendous sediment source and freshwater um, that's in that, uh, in that Mississippi River. Well, we certainly saw that, you know, after the Bonnie Carey was closed, the massive amounts of sediment deposits that were kind of in the outfall area, probably into the lake. I mean, that's sediment that could be going into swamps and wetlands. And and since you mentioned it, I mean, there was another huge announcement that was made, um, I think, the week prior 
about a, a nearby diversion, the Mo river reintroduction into Morapa, and that receiving a significant amount of funding um, to move forward. So tell us a little bit about that as well. So it was a, a, another exciting announcement that Governor Edwards was, was able to make, um, another cornerstone project that's going to be going to construction uh, in the next several months. It was $130 million that we were able to secure through uh, the Restore Council, which oversees the Clean Water Act bonds associated with the BP oil spill. And so it is a, it's a much smaller diversion. It's a freshwater diversion in the Marpa area, which goes to, to nourish a, a cypress tupelo swamp in that area that has really been deprived of the fresh water that originally created that swamp and had given that swamp um, uh, its original source of life, really. Uh, and so being able to connect, reconnect the Mississippi River to that, to that swamp area is going to um, undoubtedly rejuvenate that area. So another huge, huge announcement for the governor and for the coastal program. So to go back something, to something you just said, you know, High River and Open and Bonnie Carry obviously um, relates to the fishing industry. There was also a fisheries or oyster specific piece, right, as part of his announcements that he made. So tell us about that work that will be led by your partners, right, at Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Well, I think it's important to first point out, as a result of the Bonnie Carey Spillway opening, there was a, a federal declaration that was declared, um, emergency declaration that was issued by the federal government. So there is going to be a substantial amount of funding that is going to be coming down to address the impacts uh, to our fisheries as a result of the Bonnie Carey Spillway. But as you referenced, um, Simone, uh, Governor Edwards uh, very much recognizes that it's very important for us to find a way to coexist where coastal restoration projects can coexist with a sustainable oyster industry. And that is um, all about striking the right balance. And so oyster harvesters and oyster uh, farmers should not be harvesting oysters where they are right now. And when we, and as the salt water in the Gulf of Mexico continues to encroach upon our communities where people live and work, it also is pushing our oyster industry further inland. Um, and so there is going to be, uh, there needs to be a willingness by the oyster industry to adapt to some of these restoration projects that are becoming online. Now that doesn't mean that they are going to be pushed off of the Outer Continental Shelf or that we're going to, you know, destroy their livelihoods. We're just trying to show them when these diversions do come online um, that we are going to work with them as a state and as a coastal program to put them in areas and issue leases in areas where the salinity is suitable for oyster production. Um, so that's the first aspect of what the governor announced. The second of which is, is really some, some funding to set aside to ensure the sustainability of the oyster industry. Uh, the oyster industry experienced impacts as a result of the spill. Uh, they experienced impacts as a result of the amount of fresh water that the Bonnie Carey Spillway put in. And so investing in culch plants and, and helping them invest in additional equipment, helping them transition into additional areas, I think is important for us as a state um, and as a coastal program moving forward. That's a really important announcement. I mean, I know we all want to continue to be able to live here to prevent the Gulf of Mexico from coming into our neighborhoods and our communities, but we also want our oysters and, and our, um, you know, the industries and the people that support that. So very exciting. We're up against another break, um, but we have one more segment with Mr. Chip Klein. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We'll be right back after the break.
And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Laws with Restore or Retreat. And it is time for the Coastal Stat of the Week. This one was picked specifically for our guest today, and you've heard it several times on the show. But over the next four years, CPRA will be investing nearly $1 billion per year in the implementation of some of the most important projects in the Coastal Master Plan, and that was part of the announcement made by Governor John Bell Edwards a few weeks ago. So welcome back to Delta Dispatches, Chairman Klein. Um, We were talking about holistic river management and kind of the governor's announcement as it relates to that, as it relates to sediment diversions, as it relates to the fishing industry. Um, There was also a a bit of focus on hypoxia. So tell us about um, kind of what the governor said about hypoxia and what you all are trying to do to limit it. I think the state really needs to do more uh, to address the hypoxic zone in the Gulf and hypoxia issues in general uh, within the Mississippi River. And um, the the state of Louisiana is is a member of the hypoxia task force, which is made up of various states around the country. Um, But the problem is, is that the state of Louisiana is on the receiving end of every single thing that states uh, in the northern parts of the country put into that river. Um, and as a result of the fertilizer and the runoff that is going into that river, it's creating this dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, and so I think it's important for us from a water quality standpoint um, for us to engage those states that are putting those things in the Mississippi River, uh, to engage those states really in a more productive way um, so that they have full visibility on the effects um, of their activities on people that live at the lower end of the Mississippi River Basin. And so um, we are going to be working hand-in-hand with the Department of Environmental Quality um, and the CPRA um, to to really come up with policy initiatives that we can focus on at a federal level, which can really start to govern some of these things that these northern states are doing. And that's a hard conversation to have with northern states, but it's one that needs to be had. Well said. Well said. Um, I'm still thinking about the money, you know, so that's one of my favorite topics to talk about. So while hypoxia is important, I want to talk about the money again. Um, So the the billion dollars invested, right, we will get projects out of that. I think there's 26 projects going to bid this year alone. But but those that's not just ecosystem restoration, right? There's hundreds, if not thousands of jobs that are tied to probably each project. Right. So. That was a focus of, of one of the things that the governor talked about, too, about investing in Louisiana and how Louisiana can maximize and leverage those environmental dollars for our economy, right? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that a little bit. Wh- where do you see the workforce piece fitting into, like, this restoration um, budget? Well, I think it's important, first of all, to say that it's – as, as a state and as a coastal program, we must keep in mind that it's important to continue to grow, diversify, and protect our economy here in Louisiana through the investments that we're making uh, in coastal restoration and hurricane protection projects. Um, and if you look at the, tra- to the trajectory of the economic forecast uh, and the different um, business and energy sectors, industry sectors across South Louisiana, one of the most um, up and coming or the most exciting one in the state of Louisiana is the water sector. Uh, and there are some projections that it could employ more people um, than the oil and gas industry. 
uh, in the energy sector. And so I think it's important for us to keep that in mind when we're building some of these projects, but also how that overlays to employing Louisiana workers and the workforce here in the state of Louisiana. And so some of the things that we're doing uh, within the coastal program is partnering with the Louisiana Department of Economic Development to set up a center at Nichols State University, which I know is near and dear to to your heart, uh, Simone, that allows for them to work with Louisiana businesses and industries on how they can um, become better positioned to receive the work uh, that we're doing in the master plan on the ecosystem restoration side and on the hurricane protection side to make sure that those dollars, those jobs, um, and that um, really that economy um, goes, is strengthened, the economy is strengthened in Louisiana, but that those jobs and those dollars remain in the state of Louisiana as we continue to implement projects uh, within the master plan. And that will hopefully also work with the Coastal Center, also planned at Nichols, which will look into some of the Atchafalaya issues, right, specifically. So shout out to the colonels. Um, There was also a very interesting discussion with the Department of Corrections. Mm -hmm. So that's not somebody you would think you would ever involve in a coastal discussion. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I, th- I think you're right. And so this the idea actually came from Secretary Jimmy LeBlanc, who's the Secretary of Public Safety and Corrections. And he said, look, he's like, I am I'm looking at the amount of work that the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority is doing and the types of jobs uh, that will be needed um, for those types of projects. And we're talking about, you know, um, excavator um, operators, forklift operators, dragline operators, those things. And those are jobs that I think that those the people that are currently incarcerated, um, if the Department of Corrections would develop job training programs for those individuals, is that when it's their time to reenter society, uh, that they actually have a job that they can be placed into. Um, and so I think that that's important for us um, to keep in mind as, as we talk about developing the economy and the workforce and Secretary Ava Dejois is also developing um, workforce training programs as it relates to coastal protection restoration within the Louisiana Workforce Commission. But we also have to keep in mind those who are who are less fortunate and uh, than we are as there's a huge, you know, population um, in Louisiana that is currently incarcerated that will be transitioning back into society. And when they do, it's important for them to have a a job so that they can uh, be productive members of society. That's really incredible. And, you know, there are uh, such a, there's such a big need for that, those opportunities for people um, in that situation. So that's great to see. Um, There's a lot going on right now. I don't know how you're sleeping. Um, And we were just talking about, you know, the governor's announcement, but C. Perry is busy on a number of other fronts beyond just project implementation and construction. Um, so what are the things that you have on deck for the new, uh, you know, the new legislative session for, you know, some of the anniversaries that are coming up? Um, you all are firing on all c- cylinders over there, I know. Well, so obviously our, our main priority every year during the legislative session is our annual plan, which outlines our funding priorities for the next fiscal year as well as provides a three-year outlook on revenues and expenditures that are coming to um, the coastal program. Um, so we, we have a couple of bills that we're running with some additional reforms that we're going to be uh, trying to implement as it relates to um, the flood authorities around the greater New Orleans area. If you recall, there were some reform efforts that were implemented after Hurricane Katrina 
to make sure that the local levy districts were focusing on hurricane protection and not ancillary things that really don't apply uh, to keeping water out of people's homes. Um, and so there, there's an issue there with some, some taxing authority. And we want to make sure that the people who live and work around the greater New Orleans area um, and that system that protects those people uh, is operated and maintained as a system. And they were not looking at uh, parish boundaries or parochial boundaries when we when we look at operating and maintaining that system. I think that's going to be very important. And so there's going to be a series of bills um, that um, help address that. Probably some another couple of bills that uh, give us some additional authority to look at creative financing, you know, creative ways where we can bring private sector dollars um, into the coastal program. Um, and some additional contracting authority, which we don't currently have, to get projects on the ground sooner rather than later. Uh, and so um, it's going to be a busy session, no doubt. But I also think it's important to have a little bit of a moment of reflection here is that April 20th is actually the 10-year anniversary of the BP oil spill. Uh, one of the worst um, man-made disasters, which resulted in one of the worst natural disasters, if you will, um, across South Louisiana. Um, substantial, incredible amount of damage was done to our environment. Um, and so the governor is planning a series of events um, to really reflect upon the spill, uh, to reflect upon the damage that was done to our environment, but, but to also reflect on the amount of work and how far we have come in addressing those, those injuries, addressing the, the damage that was done to South Louisiana. Um, through some of these ecosystem restoration projects that we're implementing. Um, and so April 20th, we're, we've invited all the other governors to come. We've invited President Trump to come down. Um, but to also remember that there was a, a several people uh, that lived in Louisiana that lost their lives as a result of the explosion that took place on that rig. And to have a remembrance ceremony to honor them um, in a wreath-laying ceremony at Port Fouchon, we'll actually have a, an event down there at Port Fouchon, uh, where the governor will be there. Other governors from across the Gulf will, will come to really reflect upon how far the Gulf Coast has come since the, the BP oil spill. But then also to give the national media that's going to be coming down here the opportunity to see some of these large-scale projects, the Commandant Headlands Project, the Queen Bess, some of the Barrier Island projects that we've implemented to show that, hey, we are putting those dollars to good use uh, in addressing the injuries that we experienced as a result of the spill, but to also implement some cornerstone projects that were called for in the master plan. Well, that is a lot going on, a lot of progress, and, and you know we look forward to continuing to work with you and your agency in the months and year ahead um, on that. So we know you're busy. We're going to let you get out of here, but appreciate your time so much, and you know, you're always welcome back. Um, so thank you so much, Chip. You've been listening to Delta Dispatches. We'll be back next week.